You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? You are rocking with us on an all-new episode of the Decoding Success Podcast. It is your host, Matt Labrie. Really excited to have you here for this episode today. Welcome to the show. So it's hitting me right now as I'm recording this because it was something that was brought up to me the other day. This show, Decoding Success, has been running for nearly two years at this point. Two years for any project is a freakishly long time, right? Especially a passion project nonetheless. That's exactly what this is. The people that keep coming back, our amazing community of listeners, the amazing guests that keep hopping on the show, it's fucking incredible to say the least. So I just want to say thank you. I hope you and your loved ones are well. And now I want to introduce to you today's amazing guest. You've probably seen her on Million Dollar Listing LA, or maybe you've seen her newly released book, which is all over social media. With almost 20 years of experience under her belt, Tracy Tudor is one of the top agents at Douglas Elliman Beverly Hills. She has an undeniably strong presence and a confidence that has propelled her into the room of some of the most powerful people in LA, representing some of the most noteworthy brands in real estate and iconic architects. Tracy has consulted for some of the most beautiful properties this world has ever seen, a lot of them with sales north of 400 plus million dollars in branded real estate, which is freaking a lot of money. Now, most recently, she has been chosen to be the U.S. ambassador for the Royal Atlantis Resort and Residences in Dubai, a breathtaking structure designed by award-winning architects, and is also an ambassador for Costa Palmas on the East Cape of Los Cabos, To say the least, Tracy is absolutely crushing it in her realm and beyond, and I'm really excited to be able to amplify her message to all of you today. Now, with that said, this episode is powered by our partners over at Acadium. You've heard me talk about them before. I personally use them with my business, 1B Branding, here in New York City. If you are looking to add someone to your team, specifically in the realm of marketing, they are offering remote marketing interns, students that are looking to learn and to help you add a hand to your projects. Now, listen, you don't have to be in business to use them. You could have a side hustle, a side project, a book coming out, a podcast that's launching, or maybe you just need help in whatever regard that needs marketing, right? I highly suggest checking them out. I absolutely love it. Go over to the show notes of this episode, click that pretty little link that says Acadium. You'll be directed over to their platform where you can see their database with a plethora of amazing individuals nonetheless. So make sure you're checking that out. And now I bring to you our friend, Tracy Tudor. Tracy, first and foremost, thank you for taking the time out of your day, especially during this whole quarantine lifestyle to add value to the show here in our amazing community. So I just want to express my gratitude. Super excited to have you. So again, thank you for joining us. I'm so happy to be here, Matt. Thank you for having me. Of course. So we kick the show off with the same question. Nothing's changing here. I'm really curious to know how you personally define success. For me, it's not just about a career. It's about a well-balanced life. I I don't want to work 20 hours a day and not enjoy the fruits of my labor with my family and friends. So traveling is important to me, taking care of my well-being and my health is important to me. So I think just all around, I will take less money or be less successful or be okay with not selling 400 million a year because I am enjoying my life. And I certainly am not going to wait till 65 to do it. So was that always the mindset or did you have to have an epiphany or, you know, a revelation to kind of get to that mindset? I think as I've gotten a little bit older, I've shifted from 
you know, needing to grind from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. every single night to saying to myself, okay, I'm going to grind and I'm going to work hard for this amount of days in a row. And then I am going to take, you know, three days off. So for example, this weekend, I'm leaving right after this and going to San Ysidro Ranch for a couple of days just to totally check out because it's been a whirlwind with the show and obviously working in my real job and then again launching the books. So I need a break. I hear that. The grind. I love it. So I love what you were saying about a well-balanced life. And I, I really, you know, respect that and appreciate it, especially from a high performer like yourself. But I want to kind of connect the dots here. I just want to know who Tracy was in high school. Like, we're, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm trying to get like the full spectrum here. Were you, um, you know, were you goal oriented back then? What was the dream? I'm really curious. You know what? To be honest with you, I thought I was going to be like a superstar. I was like, I joined a singing group and I was the rapper and I wasn't going to college. You know, I always believed in myself. And I think that my parents really instilled that in me. They've always told me I'm great and to go for it. And so I never really had any kind of doubt. You know, I remember saying to my dad once, and he loves to bring it up at like family parties and stuff, how um, I told him that what, because he didn't support me and my senior aspirations, that when I accepted my first Grammy, I wasn't going to thank him. And so, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I ended up going to college and was not a great singer. But I think the lesson for me, you know, in high school is that I did, I had a, a lot of confidence. And I mean, I was class clown for crying out loud in junior high. So there, there's always been something there for me, but I didn't know I was going to end up selling real estate. So how do you kind of instill the mindset of like lack of doubt and the utmost level of confidence in your life now, right? Like that's really awesome that you had that back then. How are you finding yourself applying that to what you have going on now? I think it was a a little easier um, to have it back then. Life was a lot less complicated. You know, growing up in the 70s and 80s was, you know, we weren't attached to this all of the time, you know, engaged by likes and what people's view of us. I mean, we still obviously cared what people thought of us, but not at the level that we do today. So I think, you know, growing up now is a completely different animal than, you know, obviously when I was a teenager and was able to build that kind of confidence. But as an adult, I think it's all still there. You know, we struggle every day to succeed, be successful, have less fear, but, and that never really goes away. But I think it's about managing and navigating that fear and figuring out how to like feel it and express it and then conquer it and continue right. not live that. in that state. You can't be successful and live in that, that state all the time. I agree. So if Tracy was growing up in today's world, by the way, I, I would have never guessed you grew up in the seventies or eighties. I'm not looking I mean, for brownie points here. But <laughs> uh, so if Tracy was growing up now in 2020, what would the advice be you give her? Well, it's the same advice I give to my 14-year-old daughter. Um, you know, do you? You know, I remember when she she now goes to a school uh, called Marlboro, which is an all-girls school. Very, like, very, very feminist, um, girl-forward program. And I, it was something that she chose, and I absolutely supported it. But we sit down and we have conversations all the time. And when she first started there, you know, girls become teenagers. There's a lot of 
challenges, their bodies are changing, all of that kind of stuff. And there's just a lot of hormonal imbalance there. And I've just said, you know what, you really, really, really need to stick to who you are and honor that. And that means if you're upset with a friend, you tell them you're upset with them. You don't harbor it and let it build inside of you. I, I believe in expressing your feelings because I think that you need to get them off your chest. So if I was growing up today, I, I think I would continue to be the same vocal, dynamic, outgoing person purely to get that stuff off my chest so that I can go to bed at night and not be living with anxiety, depression, all the things that I think you know, our teenagers today are going through. Definitely. So because they're taught to just go like this, right? Like they're taught to just like the photo fake, you know, completely wipe their face with some sort of, you know, photo app so that they look different and everybody's doing it. And there's a real false sense of security. So if you're constantly speaking up and being authentic to who you are as a young person today, then you're going to be able to put your head on the pillow at night and hopefully not be taking um, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication and come into your own. Right, right. So what is your take on finding or discovering who you authentically are, right? Because, you know, you're mentioning it like society is shaping us left and right. You know, we, we want to have the Instagram lifestyle and shit like that. And that's exactly why I asked the question in the beginning, like, how do you personally define success? Because it's not about Merriam-Webster's dictionary. It's like, how do you personally define it? You know, so I'm curious, like, how do you find who you truly are? I, I think we all have instinct. And I talk a lot about that in my book. I think we ignore it, particularly as women. It's something that is, we're so defined by that. And I don't think we vocalize our, our gut enough. If we trusted our gut, if you trusted your gut every single day about a feeling you had about somebody and you spoke it, now, not necessarily coming from a place of like out of control emotion, fueling your thoughts and your, your instincts and your gut with your emotion, but not letting it, I say, fuel your um, instincts with emotion, but don't let it steer the ship. Like mm. you should speak up. You should be able to talk about, you know, what your instincts are telling you and share that because I think it's a big piece of what makes us successful. I agree. Now you mentioned your book, Fear is Just a Four-Letter Word. Correct me if I'm wrong. I love the title. Talk to me about the title first before we even dive into anything else. I think with the, you know, that word, I mean, look at us, we're living in a pandemic. I mean, think about March when everybody just went in full lockdown and everybody was terrified that the world was coming to an end. And not to say that this hasn't been an incredibly scary time for our country and around the world. Um, but I do think that that word fear can instill so much anxiety in people because they hold on to it for too long. And my philosophy is we all have it and we all need to embrace it and honor it and speak about it, but you can't live in that place 24 hours a day. So right. whatever it takes to kind of move through that, that, I mean, that's why I wrote the book because it, it really isn't as big as we make it out to be. And if we let, if we let fear control us and run the show, we're not going to be successful, not just in business, but in, in your personal life, in your interpersonal relationships. Um, so, you know, it's never going to go away. 
we're always going to experience fear. It's a very, very powerful emotion. But if you let it run the show, you're, you're, you're really screwed. Agreed. Agreed. So you bring up the pandemic. I'm really curious whenever I'm having or hosting individuals on the show, especially during it, I'm really curious like how you're navigating through it from a business perspective and, and beyond. Clearly, you're goal-oriented and you're not just sitting on your butt and saying, all right, whatever happens, happens. So like, are you doing anything fine. different? Well, the first two weeks were actually like a blessing in disguise because, you know, you're, you're kind of in lockdown and, and, you know, you you take a beat and you remind yourself what's truly important in life. But, you know, obviously I actually refer to the pandemic as like a, a two, two, five. It's like a divorce settlement, you know, like two days on, you're like on two days. You're like, I don't know. And then five days you're smooth. So, I mean, this is child custody is what Jason and I do. So, you know, for me, I have good days and bad days. And more often than not, I can, you know, stay busy and keep pretty even keel. But every once in a while, you just have a dark day, whether it be the news and trying to figure out what's, what's fake news, what's real, what, right. what are we really living in? And, and then you have to, again, pull yourself out of that nightmare and, you know, keep it moving. Yeah. So you were also talking about kind of like releasing fear. How do you do that? Like, what are the steps to doing that? Because I'm sure that there's people listening to this. I have a lot of millennials that listen to this. I'm 27. A lot of people are either in corporate looking to leave starting their own business, or maybe that people are in business and they're probably scared of their true potential in a way. So like, what's your, what's your like step-by-step or habit or uh, ritual to kind of relinquish fear from your life? You know, I, I, you know, speaking of the millennials and, and, you know, this generation, they are incredible because they're, they're such manifestors. You guys really are. You, you kind of have big dreams and lofty goals. Um, and so that's an amazing thing to work with. I think for you guys, it is about having that grit and, you know, that ethic to kind of work hard and enter this world that, you know, there are executives that are going to be above you. There are, as an entrepreneur, you're going to meet people that, you, you know, you need to invest in your company and you're going to have to convince some like me who's 44 years old that I should believe in you for the following reasons. Not because you just tell it, you know, you say it's there, but because you actually are doing the work. And for me, I think... I do like before I walk into a big pitch, you know, just recently on the show this last week, I got a $500 million portfolio. Biggest thing in my career. I was terrified walking into that room. He had a reputation that preceded him. He fired five or six different agents over the course of four years, you know, abusive, all of these things. I took, I call it the 60 second rule and I give myself 60 seconds to freak the hell out, do whatever it is that I need to do before you, like, I don't care if you're in a waiting room in some sort of corporate environment, or you're in your car, getting ready to meet someone for lunch, take that 60 seconds and do whatever you have to do to get that anxious energy out so that you can become focused. Because I truly believe like, look at a boxer walking in a ring, these crazy guys. I was watching this movie the other day. I can't think of the name of it. It was a documentary about a West side, uh, Westside weight lifters or something. And these guys are lifting a thousand pounds of weight. And when they go into the ring to go lift this weight, they get so psyched that blood almost comes out of their nose because they're like, ah, they're focusing their energy into their bodies so that they can actually do their job. And there's something to be said about that. So whatever that is for you, blasting a song in your car that like 
gets you going or taking a scream or doing deep breaths, whatever really is going to center you and get rid of that anxiety so that you can walk in the room and really, really own it. Yeah, that's super powerful. I appreciate the actionable advice nonetheless, right? You know, that's definitely something that people could definitely take up. So why write this book at this point in your journey? Like what came over you? What compelled you to say, all right, like I need to get this message out now? Well, to be honest with you, I... When I joined the show three years ago, I was the first female on a male-dominated franchise. Not one show, but two shows, and two shows still airing, and two other, you know, uh, cities tried it as well. Never has been a female that has lasted on the show. So I knew I had a platform, and I was sitting down with my agents, and I said, you know, what, what else can I be doing right now? I feel like I need to say something and talk about it because it's important. Um... And they were like, well, you love to talk, so why don't you write a book? And I was like, oh, no, 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 that's terrifying. And by the way, I'm a terrible writer. I can talk until, you know, the cows come home, but like a book? And um, they said, well, just start with an outline. And I was like, I can do an outline. So I sat down and I was like, what would this be about? Who would I want to talk to? And I was like, you know what? I want to talk to young. I want to talk to the younger generation. I didn't have anyone to look up to that was 20 years older than me that I actually connected with. They all seemed so old to me. Like a 45 year old, like we would have absolutely nothing in common. And the truth is, I feel like I actually have quite a bit in common with, you know, the younger generation. So I wanted to speak to them and give them that confidence that I was always on the fence about and always struggling with and how to, how do you compete with someone with 20 years experience? And there's, there's ways to do it. And so that was my focus for the book. It was about telling you guys about my greatest fears, some (laughs) intense stories of failure throughout my career and how I recovered for them from them and the things that I learned. And then of course, out came, you know, the book and six months later, here we are and it comes out next week. I love that. I absolutely love it. So what do you feel like has been, or, you know, I'm not a female, right? But I'm really curious. Like I always want to learn what a female goes through just so that I could help make this world a better place. Like in regards to business, um, like what has been like turbulent for you on your journey? Like, have you ever felt like things have been biased or um, just because you're a woman? All the time. I experienced it a couple days ago. It, it, it's something that I think what irritates me more than anything is not the outward um, uh, approach from men that can be chauvinistic or misogynistic, but really it's the apathy, like the lack of care or understanding that maybe they have a team that is completely all men. And it never occurred to them why don't I have any women on my team? Or why don't I have any people of color on my team? Or why don't I have different ethnic backgrounds or cultures? Uh, it, it's like, it starts with us too. So, and I think that, I think that's what irritates me more than like an outward chauvinist is someone that just, it just never really connects. They never really got it. So I would just say, be present, be, be like, recognize and, you know, check in with yourselves every so often. Like our, because I think that women have a lot to add and a very different perspective from men in business. 
So, you know, and where, I mean, Mars and Venus, right? So what you have that we don't, we have in spades and the opposite. So I think, you know, together it's, it's, you know, we're the full package and that's the piece of it that I'm like, I think most passionate about. And when someone is sort of apathetic about it, which is the hardest piece for me, that's when I want to speak up even more. Yeah. So what's your advice to the woman that's dealing with something like that, right? Because I'm sure if you face a turbulent time, it could be detrimental. You, you might want to stop. You might want to just settle. So I'm curious, like, how do you, yeah. or what would your advice to be to keep going? You absolutely uh, have a conversation about it and you'd be really clear. And, and again, this comes back to your gut and your instinct as a female, which should really be serving you more. Um, trust it and vocalize it and don't let your emotions get the best of you, particularly when you're confronting a business scenario um, where you might be feeling challenged in that way. I think talking about it as um, and taking a couple of days, something happened to me a few days ago and I was so emotional about it that I knew I couldn't have a conversation with who I needed to have that conversation with. And this was directly related to what we're talking about. I knew I couldn't have that conversation for at least two days. I needed time to just kind of process how I was feeling and get to a place where I was very, very clear. I didn't want to ask a hundred different opinions from everybody. I just wanted to get centered about it before I had the conversation. So I encourage women to absolutely do that. Don't, don't get quiet about it. I mean, you don't need to be like crazy feminist. That's not what this is about. It's just about speaking up. And, um, and from a place of just like ownership and that's all. What can a man do to help empower that female that is potentially in that situation? I know you kind of gave us the rundown, but like, if I know someone in particular, right? Like, am, am I just the shoulder to lean on? Like, what do I do in that situation? Well, I mean, if you have a friend that's, that is experiencing that, I would encourage that person to talk about it and not, right. you know, and directly with their, whatever it is that they're experiencing, you know, whether it be with their manager or their boss or a colleague or even friends, it, right. it's really, really important to um, speak about it and not let it build because that's when you explode and when you have all that emotional anxiety you're ineffective and you, you don't want to be ineffective. By the time you actually speak up, you want to be in control. So encouraging, you know, the, the females that you know to just be effective in how they communicate is I think the most important piece of like being a good, good man. Right. No, I agree. I agree. I appreciate it. Listen, I don't get the opportunity to ask females these questions every day. So I'm, I'm, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. I want to get back to the book. You told us like why you felt compelled to write the book now. Um, but being that the book is around the topic of fear, like what is a fear that you have that may help someone resonate with this if they're listening to it right now? Um, my fear is that I'm not doing enough. Mm. I'm not, I'm not. And I think because I'm coming out with this book, it was a big piece of, of my life and what I'm sharing and putting myself out there. Um, and I say a lot. And I remember when I was reading the book and doing the audio, it was the first time I read it start to finish. And I got through one chapter and like the director is sitting in like the room and just kind of letting me go. And I was, I stopped and I said, shit, like I'm not even taking my own advice in this chapter. Like I really have to get my act together. And the truth is I want to be accountable 
accountable um, to the advice that I'm giving. And so I, I put pressure on myself quite a bit about, am I doing enough? Am I being really, really, truly authentic? Or am I just speaking, you know, a bunch of bullshit? And right. I don't want to be, I don't want to be that person. And so I think that's why, you know, connect the dots here. But I think when I told you that I had the conversation a couple of days ago, that was primarily because of this book. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to talk about being authentic to who you are and trusting your gut and speaking up about certain things and, and doing you, then I have to, but I have to live that truth too. So that's, that's the piece of advice. I guess I would, you know, say as far as women go and, and really anyone, um, you know, you should, you should always. Right. I love that. So I have a mentor who always says the tongue in your mouth should match the tongue in your shoes, meaning like you have to walk the walk. Uh, if you're going to talk it, walk it. So I'm yeah. curious, like, how do you find yourself um, holding yourself accountable now that you realize that, right? I guess the first step is going to be awareness. But like, now what are you doing to make sure that you're implementing what your, you know, your own advice? Well, I, I'm not joking. Like I said, I've only read the book one time fully through. And I think I'm going to actually read it again this weekend because I really want to embody like everything that I'm talking about and be really, really aware of it, not yeah. just in like the intellectual state, but in the physical state. So, um, that for me is I'm finding myself in personal relationships with friends and family being more vocal and being more honest. You know, a lot of times we like let shit like roll off our shoulder and we're like, Oh, I didn't appreciate that comment. And it like stings, but you let it go. And then another one happens. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with this and I'm not happy with this. And, uh, I, am just finding myself more and more being honest about it. And I'm, I'm, I'm honestly more at ease because the more you're talking about things, it becomes like an exercise. Right. You're not so like, Oh God, I got to sit down and talk to this person about how I'm feeling. And I, this is, this is confrontation and it makes me really uncomfortable. And the truth is it doesn't have to be a confrontation. It can just be a discussion. And then you move on from it. You don't live in that space anymore. And that's yeah. been, it's been good for me as well. It's like, oh yeah, I, I have, I'm doing this too. Like I have to plant that seed in myself to continue to be vocal about where I am in every space in my life. I love that. So if someone that reads this book could only take away one thing from it, what would you want that one thing to be and why? <sighs> that's a hard one. Um, I would just say self-awareness. It's a must, you know, and, and this is not like an age gap thing. This is like universal. Right. Um, I think you've got to know your weaknesses and I think you've got to own them. And that's the only way, you know, we can't be amazing at everything, right? So the things that we're not amazing at, recognize that and do something about it because you can't be all things to everyone and you can't, you know, be a, an incredible marketing executive and also be unbelievable in contracts and finance. That's like a tough, you know, and so in real estate, I recognize where my weaknesses are. And I brought on a partner two and a half years ago, who, in my opinion, is like the yin to my yang. You know, she's really, really militant about um, contracts and um, staying on top of systems. I'm not. That is not my jam. I know this about myself. Like, I'm the person that's the connector. I, 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 I'm out networking. She is like, knows that inventory, knows that contract back to front. Um, so 
we we're a good we're good for each other and in turn she's made me a, a you know a better agent right so what's your you bring up networking what's your best piece of advice when it comes to networking you should be picking up the phone three times a day and calling someone different. Just Three times in. a day. Okay. Yep. yep. You call someone different that you haven't spoken to in a while. Do it when you're in your car where you're alone and you're not distracted and just check in. And, you know, if you have the opportunity to grab coffee or lunch or whatever, I know we're all crazy, but sometimes it's that kind of connection, not sending them an email. I mean, another thing with your your guys's you know generation and even younger is it's like again texting it, there's no human connection there right so agreed you have to get back to like making that that call that that meeting and um that to me has been like the only way i've done business i don't do ads i don't do any of that stuff it's i love it connection I love it. Now, Tracy, I'm sure you've done a ton of podcasts around the book. You get asked questions all the time. I'm just really curious, like, what is the ideal question for you? What, what question would you wish more people would ask you and how would you answer it? Oh, God, I don't know. You're putting well, that's a very selfish. Yeah, it's a, it's a very selfish question, right? Because I, I could tell you're selfless. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't be hopping on here and adding value to people that are tuning into this. But, you know, if you could like look inside, like what's a question that you you wished more people would ask you? You know, sometimes I... I do feel like being the the only woman on the show is a is a really great challenge for me, but okay. it's also um, you know like the overcompensating because I am the only woman on the show um, is a challenge. So it, as much as I'm grateful for it, I struggle with trying to find that balance of how much do I want to be in this platform and what's that like for me on a daily basis? How much pressure it is to be the one woman on a male dominated show that's been on, on the air for 12 years. Um, so I, I think that people just assume that I'm consistently strong and like a boss and all of these things. But the truth is I have feelings just like everybody else. And I'm, I am, can be, um, you know, fragile and well, not fragile. That's maybe not the right word, but you know, fragile, like a bomb, <laughs> but more like, you know, um, vulnerable and that's not a bad thing. Uh, so I guess I wish, I don't know how to really phrase that into a question, but it's something I don't get asked that much. It's like, you're the only woman on the show and, and what an incredible thing, but it's also a very challenging, um, it's all a very challenging piece that I struggle. Yeah. yeah, I could imagine. That's powerful. Okay. So on the way out of the show, I always ask three questions and it's going to go longer. I already know that. But, um, the first question that I always ask, like, obviously you've given us a ton of advice already. I'm curious over your career. And by the way, congratulations on that deal before I didn't say congratulations. Um, that that's monumental. So you have a whirlwind of experience. I'm curious, like what was the best piece of advice you've received along this journey? I would say, um, to check in with yourself more. Um, you know, oftentimes we're driven by 
monetary advancements. Right. And particularly when you're an entrepreneur or you're in sales like me, you know, and I really think it becomes a delicate balance between, um, you know, what, what you're willing to tolerate for that paycheck, you know, and that, that was a piece of advice that was given to me probably 15 years ago by a guy that I used to work with and I had had a difficult client and I was struggling a lot and not trying to navigate it. And, you know, he, they sat me down and were like, you know, he said to me, I mean, how, how much is it really worth to you? Is it worth a million dollars in commission? Is it worth, you know, is it worth your health? Your, you know, it's pulling away from other business. And I kind of went, Oh, wow. Like that is incredibly powerful. And that's why it goes back to me defining success differently. Right. Like it shaped everything for me. I was like, yeah, wow. The money is not, Everything. It's not that important. I don't need to tolerate this shit because I'm in sales and then take someone's abuse. So um, that I think is the best best lesson I've learned. So the thing is, and I, I always ask this question because there are individuals that like to play like devil's advocate, right? Someone that says, hey, it's not all about the money, but has money um, may come off easier to say, right? So like, what's your advice to the person that's on the other end of this saying, well, shit, like if I had money, yeah, I, I would say that too. You well, know, you, because- have, you have to weigh out what you're willing to tolerate, right? So, right. and I, and I say that and I talk about it in my book, there are certain zeros that outweigh, you know, I, I put a timeline on it for me. I mean, if you're around someone that's incredibly abusive and you're losing, you're putting so much focus and so much energy on that person that they're, it's pulling you out of your game, then you're losing money elsewhere. So you really have to like, and it's personal for everyone, right? So you, you have to analyze that on your own and say, you know, I know for myself, I was in a very abusive dynamic with a client of mine and I chose to part ways with that client. And there was a lot of money at stake for me. Now, you know, that might not have been the case for someone else. They might've said, you know what, I'm just going to suck it up. I can take it. Well, if you can take it, then more power to you, but you have to decide for yourself what that is. Right. I love that. I love that. So I asked you the best piece of advice you received. What's a piece of advice that you've been given that you didn't want to hear at the time it was given to you, but it ended up proving to be true. You know, I keep the group of people around me that whose opinions that I trust, like very small. And I think that when you're talking to, um, and when I'm talking about my business, I go to two people. When I'm talking about my personal relationships, there's about three of my girlfriends and a couple of my close, close male friends that I trust. And so I first say, I, I, it's like to narrow it down and tell you one thing it, it, it sort of defeats like the power of like the connection between my friends that I've had. So, I mean, I was like thinking about my divorce and something that my girlfriend Natasha said to me when I was trying to figure out if I was going to leave or stay and do I do it for the kids or what, you know, and she was like, you know, you've been sitting on the fence on this for a really long time. So I think it's time for you to like jump off the edge and, I don't want to hear it, but you know, so that's that. And then, you know, I've had incredible advice from friends and business and uh, things I necessarily didn't want to hear. And so to limit it, I think just sort of takes the power away from the people that I trust the most. So 
I mean, I give you a little tidbit just in my personal life, but right. um, I'm, I, I really do listen, but I just don't, it's not, I don't listen to the noise. I listen to the people that I trust implicitly. Yeah. I appreciate the vulnerability. So you bring up relationships. I'm always curious what women feel like are like the three keys to a successful one. Honesty come, is like number one. Okay. Because you know, if you're honest about where you are, then you're not really having to deal with trust, right? So sure. in yeah. a relationship, if you're always honest, then everybody has a, a real comfortable trust because you know exactly where that person stands all of the time. Right. Um, so honesty, vulnerability, and... Um, so talk to me about vulnerability right because as a man i always try and gauge this uh, and i know i'm taking this down a whole other path here but like i understand that women want to feel safe right but as a man that has a very high eq like you know emotional intelligence versus you know just iq like where is the balance right i don't want to be so vulnerable that a woman I'm dating doesn't feel safe. So like, what do you mean by vulnerability in that sense? Well, what do you mean that a woman wouldn't feel safe if you were being vulnerable? Well, women like to feel, from what I experience, women like to feel safe, like, okay, like there, there's stability here, right? Like whether that's finances, whether that's health. I mean, I don't know any woman that would date a guy my age that has a heart problem, right? Like right. I, that's just the reality of it and it sucks, right. but it's just the way we're all raised. So um, that's kind of what I'm getting at there. Stability, um, I guess, is a, a good word. Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, (laughs) I think for a lot of men, they have a tough time being vulnerable because you still have this traditional idea in your head of how relationships are supposed to operate and the concept of marriage and till death do you part and you guys are the ones that are are providing, you're the hunters and gatherers and we're like, you know, help us. But that's not really (laughs) how it is anymore. And certainly not in a very like honest um, successful relationship, whether you be married or whatever. So I, I think when I say vulnerable, to me, being vulnerable is being honest about where you are. If you're feeling shitty about your connection with your partner, then you should speak about it. If you're feeling like work is killing you and you need a little extra support from your partner because you're just getting slayed at the office, whatever, all the time, then ask for it. That to me is vulnerability. Whereas I think a lot of men kind of are like, no, I don't need help. I, 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 you know, I do this on my own and, and that like provides distance or that, that, that puts distance between the two of you. And that's not how you're going to have a long lasting relationship. Agreed. I 100% agree. And I appreciate it. I'm I had starting to... my podcast on relationships, Matt, tomorrow. Wait, you're starting a podcast on relationships? I'm totally kidding. Oh, you should. Why not? Absolutely messing around. No, no, I'm not to do. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. All right. So I want to respect your time here. One last question for you. If Tracy could only give one piece of advice the rest of her life, like I'm saying, like if you're going to write another book, if you're going to hop on another podcast, if you're you know, on the show, whatever you're doing, if you could only give one piece of advice the rest of your life, what would it be? Don't sit on the fence. Don't sit on the fence. The time is now. If you're thinking about doing something, don't 
don't walk around the pool going, well, how deep is it? Like, should I jump here? Should I jump here? You keep walking around in circles and you just, you, at some point you have to believe in yourself enough and take that leap. Jump off the fence. That's, That's- so big, but like, and see, this is why I say, I, I never want to say it's the last question because it never really is. But um, like, what if someone feels they're not ready, right? Like if someone feels they're not ready, they're sitting on the fence. I've been there. That, right? I've been there. But unless, like, unless you take risks with yourself, you're never, ever going to do anything great. Like the big, the biggest success stories and the people that I respect most took risks, not only in their personal relationships, um, of the people that I respect the most, but in, in business. And, you know, when you're never going to have all the answers, there's always going to be some unknown. So if you're that type of person, that's like an analyst and you're like, well, if I just do, if I do it this way, if I what two more centimeters to the right, and it's like, no, no, no. In life that doesn't exist. There is not everything is certain. Not everything is a science. And that's when you have to trust your gut and say, you know what? I've got to go. I've got to make a decision one way or another. I mean, there's all these like, you know, the fork in the road, like you've got to make a choice at some point and you'll learn from it. If it ends up being the wrong choice for you, you'll figure that out, but do something. Don't yeah. just stay complacent. I love it. I love uh, Tracy. I could talk to you the rest of the day, by the way. So <laughs> I'm going to make sure that I'm respecting your time here. I'm going to have all of your social handles in the show notes of the episode, your website, where people can get the book, but where are you hanging out the most? Because we have an amazing community of listeners that likes to engage with our guests. So are you on the gram the most or? I'm definitely on the gram the most. It's just the easiest <laughs> for me. And we'll, we're filtering that to, to other channels as well. So you'll be able to find me in most places, but I'm personally the most active there. And that's at Tracy Tudor. Super awesome. difficult. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome, Tracy. I appreciate you hopping on here. Thank you yeah, again. Thanks, Matt. That was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it from our friend, Tracy Tudor. Now, you can connect with Tracy through the show notes of this episode. All of her social links can be found there from the Instagrams to the Facebooks, the Twitters, the LinkedIn's, whichever platform you prefer. She's hanging out on the gram the most, as she said. So make sure you're connecting with her. Check her out. Hit her up. Trust me, she's going to want to hear from you and make sure you're telling her that you heard her here on Decoding Success. But on top of that, one thing that I urge you to do is make sure that you are getting a copy of her book that could also be found in the show notes of this episode. Make sure you're reading it. Add it to your 2020 reading list, right? We have more time on our hands and I really shouldn't say more time, but we have this weird period of life that we're in. Make sure you're optimizing it, right? Make sure you're taking advantage of your net time. And I believe the book is even on Audible. Don't quote me on that, but Tracy did mention that she was recording it in the studio. So I believe it will be on Audible as well for those that like audiobooks. And you want to know what? You could actually get an audiobook totally free, being that Audible's our partner. Now that it's all ringing in my head, I'm like, wow, this is a great connection here. Head over to audibletrial.com forward slash decoding success. You'll be able to listen to the book for free which is absolutely amazing. Really grateful to be able to share that and amplify this message to all of you. Thank you again for tuning in. Make sure you're leaving a rating and review if you have not done so yet, especially if you are tuned in from iTunes. Take a screenshot of this, post it on your Instagram story, share this link with your mastermind groups, your friends, your family, your coworkers, your staff, your employees, everyone in between. Make sure you're sharing this, spread the positivity, spread the good word. And until next time, everyone be blessed. Peace.